0: If you wanna be big, you have to eat big. When it comes to building muscle, the cornerstone of bodybuilding is nutrition. Not just what you eat, but when you eat it to keep those gains in motion.
1: But it's not always that easy. For some people, it's incredibly hard to get the calories and protein they need to grow in size. So how do you do it? Let's grow big together the podcast that teaches you how to eat things in order to build muscle. I'm Fausto Fernos,
0: And I'm Mark Fillion. In this series, we're taking a look at the passion for muscle, adventures in bodybuilding, muscle gods, muscle worship, and practical advice to get those gains.
1: Today, bodybuilding coach, nutritionist, and boxer, Chris Bickley, joins us to look at bodybuilding nutrition and the outrageous things bodybuilders do over the years to get big or die trying. A jacked up 5'10",
0: 230 pounds, Chris turned to becoming a full-time coach and nutritionist during the pandemic. And judging from the results of his clients, Chris knows what he's talking about.
1: Plus, are German gummy Bears anabolic?
0: Why is highly branched cyclic dextrin awesome?
1: And is there any benefit to doing hard drugs before hitting the gym? Hey there. Hi, is this Chris Bickley? Yes, sir. This is the collection agency here to collect the gains on nutrition. Oh, yeah. I- I'm
0: Fausto. And I'm Mark, and this is Let's Grow Big Together. <laughs> yeah.
2: How you doing, Chris? Doing good. I uh, uh, just... <laughs> Was pulling in from, uh, I went to the local high school. I'm volunteering to work with their athletic programs, so.
1: Nice. Uh, How old are the kids you're working with?
2: Uh, Well, I want to work with high school students, so 14 to 18.
1: Okay. And so uh, when I was a kid, it was always like doing chin-ups, sit-ups, and now, you know, everyone's like, don't do those. They're bad for your back, and
2: they are oh no i, I want to get i want to get involved in the athletic program so yeah. you know whether it's sports conditioning or hands on whatever sports I, I pretty much did everything so
1: for a lot of people they have very negative associations with fitness exercise nutrition and usually that it stems from having a you know a, an asshole physical educational teacher in elementary or high school, who just basically read, read the morning paper and have the kids like run laps around the basketball court?
2: Yeah, no, uh, our whole our whole academic programming for mm. athletic uh, or, or uh, fitness and nutrition needs to change for sure. Well,
1: it's good that you you know you have a, a certainly a lot of enthusiasm and and your clients. Uh, we just spoke to Jimmy Cook, the uh, singer, dancer, florist bodybuilder extraordinaire and he speaks so highly of you and we're just like oh well let's talk to your coach about food absolutely my favorite topic to talk about (laughs) because i as you can see i like to eat (laughs) many things (laughs) many things uh but uh chris uh what got you into uh bodybuilding
2: originally back when i was in high school I grew to six foot when I was in sixth grade. Wow. I was really, really, really skinny pretty much until I graduated. I I had a decent structure as yeah. far as height, but I was, I wasn't very muscular and uh, I was eating everything in sight and still wasn't putting on size. And um, so then once I got in the military and I actually stopped doing all the athletic stuff and uh, just sat at a desk for hours on end, I put on like 50 pounds, but not like the good 50 pounds yeah basically i looked myself in the mirror one day and i i didn't like what i was looking at and was irritated and just decided to kind of flip that switch i just i had to do it on my own without you know like a coach yelling at me you know
1: and how did you did you like pick up a book or did you take classes or you went like to bodybuilding.org or com and went to the forums and say hey guys i gotta get in shape what should i do
2: um no i actually uh Um, Well, I was in the military, obviously, and then uh, um, I just decided one day, I was like, well, I know that there's pretty much fresh chicken breast um, at the um, galley every day. And so I just had chicken and salads and ran eight miles a day until I was skinny again. But what actually got me into bodybuilding per se was uh, um, after I went through my transformation where I dropped all this weight from all this running and, and basically eating nothing, I was in the gym and I would I would run eight miles on a treadmill and then I would lift some weights and then I would look in the mirror and I would step on the scale at the gym and I did that for about three months and uh this trainer that was at the gym who was like a big ass two hundred and forty pound five eight dude that was a bodybuilder and uh he came over to me and he grabbed me by the shirt pretty aggressively. <laughs> and, wow and- And threw me in front of the mirror and was like, if you're at the beach, is a woman going to put a scale down in front of you so that they know how much you weigh? Or are they going to care about how you look? And I was like, well, I mean, I associate with how I looked with how much I weighed just because that's how I got my abs, you know? And he's like, what if I could tell you, you could eat whatever the fuck you wanted and look really good? And I was like, well, tell me more because I love to eat, so... Um, then he unzips then, his it,
1: pants and no, <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah.
2: No, he, he basically, um, showed me how to work around the weight room and, and he actually gave me the, uh, Arnold encyclopedia of bodybuilding and, and then oh, uh, right. basically took off from there. And I still, I still communicate with the guy. He lives down in Florida. Now I'm up in Seattle. So,
1: well, that's the thing is like, we really do rely on the kindness and generosity of others to sort of like. Pass on a lot of this information because it's definitely you know bodybuilding even to this day is anecdotal in in some regards. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of studies and a lot of uh, information being passed out there, but there's a lot of conflicting information still to this day.
2: Oh yeah, and and the I think the biggest thing is that every person is so different that even even like some of the most fundamental things you can do in bodybuilding like chicken rice right. oatmeal eggs and you could you could have five meals of that a day and then there's obviously there's way more to it than that even so you can get great results from that but there's there's more
1: in terms of bodybuilding people who want to have that muscular gigantic build get frustrated because they're like I'm doing everything I'm even been taking steroids and I still don't look even near like, you know, you have the, do you even lift? There's also like, do you even juice? <laughs> yeah. You know, and I know people who, who are putting everything they can into their bodies and they, they don't look that impressive or like anything at all. And one big takeaway, and that's why I wanted to share with, talk to you and talk to our uh, our listeners about this topic is that nutrition really is, is the cornerstone of, of building a massive physique.
2: Absolutely. You know? Absolutely.
1: And the big debate here, which, you know, your doctor will tell you one thing. Your mother will tell you another thing. Your bodybuilding coach will tell you another thing. And even Arnold has changed his tune on this, is how much protein do you need to have in a day? The golden rule was usually a gram of protein per pound of body weight. So if you weigh 200 pounds, you needed to have 200 grams of protein a day. And then there's your doctors for a while were like, that's very hard on your kidneys and and like, I remember when I first bought whey protein in college and my mother was like looking at me like that was like steroids, you know, <laughs> and then there, you know, there's other people. And I, I've since then talked to physiques and, uh, competitors and bodybuilders and they're, you know, they're like, yeah, I'm taking about 300 or 400 grams of protein a day. Now, a lot of that is coming through solid food, but still it's a lot to consume. What, what are your thoughts on that?
2: I know. Uh, some lifters that are 300 pounds that intake, like I would say, 150 grams of protein a day, and it's from crappy sources, but their caloric load overall is tremendous. And obviously, their body composition isn't that of a bodybuilder's, but, um, you know, if you want a leaner body and you want more muscle, then obviously your protein needs to be higher. When it comes to bodybuilding specifically, mm-hmm. when you're trying to build up to a certain physique, I think. Uh, one and a half to two and a half grams uh, depending on the person's digestive ability. And obviously that can be manipulated, but then when it comes to maintaining or uh, well, yeah, maintenance, once you get to a spot and you even come down to like 0.75 uh, per pound of body weight. So I, I, I don't know. I have such a wide variety of answers for that just because it depends on the person and what's trying to be achieved
1: In in terms of, like guiding somebody to build muscle and figure out what's the right amount of protein for them. How do you start to do that? Exactly.
2: I do a lot of things as far Mm. as uh, understanding people's blood sugar. Mm. Like if if I get someone that is in their off season and they're really trying to push, but their body composition isn't ideal. Let's say they're 15 or 17% body fat. The first thing I have to do is get their body in a position to absorb nutrients optimally. And typically that means bringing them down to a leaner composition. Once I get them leaner, it doesn't necessarily mean show lean, but say like 10 or 11, 12% body fat, their blood sugar is between 80 and 90. And so they're absorbing everything that they're eating. And then from there, I'll start adding protein in because one, it'll turn up their, their metabolism. Obviously protein burns at a higher temperature than cal- or, um, carbs. If I'm going to add calories, and I'm trying to build someone, the first thing I'm going to start adding is some protein. And then once I get their protein consumption up to a uh, uh, an area that I think, let's say if they're 200 pounds and they wanna, I want to try and get them up to 225,
1: mm-hmm.
2: then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to push their protein up to that of a 225-pound guy.
1: Even if they're not there yet?
2: Yeah, if they're not there mm-hmm. yet. Because what I think most people have a problem with when it comes to gaining weight is eating like the weight you want to achieve Usually along the way, when people eat like they're trying to achieve that weight, they get their body all out of whack. Um, As soon as you lose blood blood sugar or or blood insulin sensitivity and you start to get fat, you lose your appetite. So then you can't eat all the food that you're trying to put down. Mm. However, if you eat your typical bodybuilding foods and you keep your blood sugar in check, and then obviously, you can add insulin and stuff in there. Uh, I don't compensate with insulin to create an appetite. I use it with what I'm doing. And I, I use it very sparingly to assist um, the body. But are you saying like injectable insulin or like the insul- yeah.
1: manipulating okay. your okay. body's insulin okay. or injecting?
2: What your body's already producing. But mm-hmm. when, you, when you're a bodybuilder and you're trying to increase your body weight, uh, once you get to a certain amount of food, like let's say you're eating. You know, seventy-five grams of protein, hundred grams of carbs, and however many fats, depending on the person, per meal. I mean, your body's only going to produce so much insulin before it becomes taxing, and then your body is overcompensating. It's it's actually not even healthy for the body to to consume a certain amount of food. So, you're trying you're trying to help the body uh, assist the body in the absorption and digestion of of those nutrients.
0: So uh, let me understand this. So in order to gain weight, sometimes you have to lose weight first because your body can absorb nutrients and grow when you are leaner.
2: Uh, A great example of this is if you look at someone after a show, whether they do it correctly or not, you'll see someone that gets really lean for a show. Mm -hmm. Now, whether they're a fat ass or they do it properly, you'll, you'll see people put on a stupid amount of weight in like two to three months. And like I said, it could be healthy and it could be lean and it could be done right. Or it could be someone decided to just eat Oreos nonstop, Mm. but you'll see their body weight just tremendously jump, especially if they're really lean. And that's because their body's so sensitive at the time, but what determines whether that's a bunch of fat or that's a bunch of muscle because it'll be the fastest time frame that you can grow mm-hmm. will be determined on how you intake food and whether you continue to have that type of appetite 3 months later will be you know if you if you were eating properly sure so
1: it begs the question like if you're getting ready for a contest wouldn't it make sense to basically do an imaginary contest
2: yeah that's i mean that's why I clean people up like even if they come to me and they're in the middle of their off season and they want to grow, I got to take one step back to take three steps forward.
1: So cutting is the first step for a lot of people.
2: Yeah. A lot of people are, are more out of shape than they should be in their off season. Mm-hmm. Um, and, they, and they think that just progressively pushing their weight, no matter what, but a lot of times you end up finding out, let's say you end up pushing your weight and just keep pushing. You're just focused on that number but then when you decide to cut you really didn't nearly add as much muscle tissue as you thought because your body's ability to absorb and create muscle uh, from the nutrients it wasn't there it was just storing it was just storing calories and fat just because your body wasn't ready to absorb it
1: in terms of like you know training people to change the way they approach their food and I, and I say the word food because I like you know diets There's all kinds of baggage and misconceptions that come with that word. Right. And, and so saying nutrition or food is more like these are changes you want to make just all the time. How do you train somebody to change that behavior?
2: A a great example with this, um, I had, a uh, this summer, I just started working with a a high school student and he hired me to work with him on his nutrition and to, to make him grow. And when I approach a new client, one of the biggest things I think that is required or needed for athletes and coaches to be on the same page is understanding why we're doing what we're doing. And like for him, he was in pretty good shape, but I wanted to get him leaner so that I knew I could get him to grow more because his appetite at his current composition Mm. was not that crazy. And I wanted to get him ravenous, like smelling grilled chicken and starting to salivate kind of ravenous (laughs) versus versus like him, like seeing the chicken and be like, "Eh, I could eat it, you know, because one of the biggest things about digestion starts with your saliva and the enzymes in it to break down the food. If you're not salivating, you're not going to break down the food as good. And that that obviously has to do with people need to know how to cook to be I think good bodybuilders too, but I just explained the path of which we're trying to get somewhere. And then I'm also very, very realistic with timeframes. You know, if, if, uh, realistically, you know, people need to understand that if you're doing everything perfect and depending on your size, you may only gain seven to 12 pounds of lean tissue in a year. Mm-hmm. It, doesn't, it doesn't matter how much weight you can put on realistically, you know, it, um, you know, I, I just had a guy recently that I, I had a consultation with and I told him that his goals, he was sitting at two forty, at like 15% body fat. And he wanted to be big Rammy. Like that was his goal was to be like 300 pounds and lean. And so I told him, you know, I said, well, you, your realistic goals is per, you, you have to be perfect for the next seven to eight years to just possibly get your body up to that, you know, to that size. And even then, uh, you don't know what things you're going to face along the way. Right. The other thing is people really struggle to have an understanding when it comes to getting big, how much time is actually needed to put on the tissue.
1: Well, it's like, you know, when we saw the documentary film, the sequel to pumping iron, I guess, but not by the same filmmakers, uh, generation iron uh we saw kai green uh who's definitely you know a very under in some ways an underrated uh competitive bodybuilder because he never seems to win the the titles that he wants to win and yeah he's a phenomenal performer phenomenal physique and he grew up in such humble origins you know in 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 the projects and they they filmed him in his old apartment making chicken and just basically using like all the all the, the entire range cooking there. And and I'm just thinking like, what kind of excuses do we have if somebody who's like struggling like that can can build this amazing physique? And and that's really what separates the legends from the the dreamers in some regards, right? is, is the ability to just to overcome so much adversity and still show up. At the gym, in the kitchen, to the bed, to to accomplish this, you know, otherworldly feat.
2: Yeah, I'm I'm am I'm a no bullshit kind of person, and yeah. when it comes to people's inability to like prep their food or get their meals in, I can pretty much take any client and their situation and show them how they're fucking up because. <laughs>
1: So do do you ask your clients to like give you like a schedule of what they've been doing? And you're like, uh, you spent two hours watching, you know, Netflix.
2: If I get clients that tell me they don't have time to do the cardio or they tell me they don't have time to get steps in or say they're traveling. Um, I mean, I've, I've pissed off. I have a client that I've had for five, six years going on six years that, uh, um, I mean, when we started, he was like 180 pounds and now he's 260, and he, uh, uh, he, he travels a lot and I'll openly talk about him. I, I love him to death. He's a, a great guy, but, um, right now he, he works a ton on the road. And the last thing you want to hear from your nutrition coach is that you have time. You're just fucking off because, you know, let's say, let's say, I so I've done the traveling business thing or, or job. Um, when I would travel, when I get on an airplane and I would go to a hotel, I would contact the hotel I would get their address and in today's society i can I can order it's worth my dollar to pay for a fifty dollar George Foreman to be amazon delivered to the hotel and then spend my week being able to grill my chicken right there in the in the hotel, even though it's not necessarily allowed or or have a hot plate delivered and have it right there. And then you can make all your chicken, and if you're sleeping eight hours a night, you can sleep six hours because getting all your meals put together is more important than the sleep at that current situation.
0: Mm-hmm. And Fruit then you can oversleep. make your meals.
2: Yeah, And then you can, or or most grocery stores nowadays, you can find fresh chicken breast or frozen grilled chicken breast. You can go into grocery stores and get the, the pre-cooked bins rice, even though it's got some sunflower seed oil on it or something like there's olive oil right there. I mean, anywhere you're going, there's probably food and you're, or I have also openly gone to restaurants and said, Hey, I'm just in the area for this time. Typically I go to mom and pop shops, but I'm like, how much do I have to pay you? You know, be a hundred, $200, whatever to make X amount of chicken breasts for me or steak or whatever. So that I have it in my hotel room. So, like, travel's a big thing for me when people start giving me excuses whether they've got stuff. And sometimes the fight's not worth worth it for me. I just, when the client starts giving me all these excuses, I'm like, okay, well, the reason that you're not going to make progress this week is because of this. And mm. that's not because I haven't given you a path to succeed. Mm.
1: Well, it, and it seems, uh, you know, it's back to sort of like the role of a coach is not just, you know, to provide information, but also sort of to be a therapist, a best friend and an ally, uh, an advocate providing solutions as opposed to being just like you suck. <laughs> you know, like the father in uh twisted sisters. We're not going to take it. Music video. You're worthless and weak. You are nothing. You will amount to nothing. What do you want to do with your life?
2: <laughs> I don't remember the movie, but I, I I'm sure I've seen it.
1: And the kid responds like, I want to rock. <laughs>
2: And he transforms
1: into D. Snyder and Twisted Surster and and sings, we're not going to take it. And and it's interesting, you know, the new generation of coaches and trainers and bodybuilders have a very uh, different relationship to their feelings, to their thoughts, to their emotions than people in the past used to do. And I think it's actually really encouraging and inspiring to see, especially a lot of men sort of openly talking about like all the psychological horrors that they deal with in order to sort of pursue their dreams. Oh,
2: know? absolutely.
1: And I, I guess, you know, I, I know we're supposed to talk about nutrition here, but it seems like we're also talking a lot about psychology. Yeah, here. your headspace, right?
2: Well, I mean, that's that's more of my my road as far as for yeah. myself uh, than nutrition is. So whenever whenever I get a new client, like I have a, uh, a 50-year-old client that I'm currently working with and I do all sorts of, of dieting stuff. I currently have him, have him fasting and not that it's super popular in the mainstream or for bodybuilding, but um, I've got him down 40 some pounds and um, I've been helping him battle all the psychological um, aspects of his old attachments to food and how he used to eat and communicating about how he was affecting his health because uh, the guy's got a two-year-old and, you know, I'm like, do you love, Do you love your child? Well, yes. Well, if you continue with your current habits, you're going to have a heart attack, and you're probably going to die in the next five years based on the information that your doctors provided me uh, through blood work and and communicating with them. So if you love your kid, isn't it worth trying to stick around? I ride a motorcycle, and, and the main piece of PPE I have is a big picture of my daughter on my motorcycle, so...
1: So that's how you like, uh, stay safe on the road. Is like, do it for her.
2: Well, I, I totaled a bike before I had my daughter. And, uh, when I get on my bike, I I love to ride and I'm, I'm not necessarily like some speed head or, you know, I don't speed all the time and all stuff, but you know, I love dragging my pegs and, and getting into it. And, uh, one of those things when I, I have kind of a hot moment, you know, I, Mm -hmm. my daughter's picture is on my windscreen and, uh, I just keep myself in check that way. Yeah.
1: Um, a lot of wild outrageous things have been done in throughout history to build muscle. I want to share this story with you. It's that there's a, there's a beautiful jacked up bodybuilder at my gym. We nicknamed the vampire. And, you know, through the, I've been working out there for about now six years at this gym. And so all of my friends and I have seen this guy just really grow and blossom as a, as a bodybuilder. And he's like, one of the biggest guys, beautiful physique, just jacked. And he keeps to himself and all the men and all the women want to have sex with him, (laughs) regardless of sexual orientation, everybody's in love with this guy. And and so my friend uh, who's a, he's a a chef for boxers, athletes and stuff like that. And he goes up to him. He's like, you know, he's, he's from uh, Guatemala and he's like, Oh man, you got to tell me what, what kind? What do you eat? Tell me what, like, what you eat all day long. And the guy's just like, you know, has his headphones on, and this guy's just, he's just like relentless. And finally, just to shut him up. He's like, I ate eight pounds of red meat. Was it a four day. Or eight pounds? It was a lot, like a ridiculous amount of red meat. And he was like, Oh, okay, okay, okay. And so, so he comes up and tells me that, and I said, and I said to him, I was like, you know, Gustavo, I said, I don't think he, he didn't say what kind of meat it was.
0: <laughs> just red.
1: it was red could have been human. And then he's like, Oh, you think so? And I was like, yeah. So, you know, when you go into the parking lot late at night, just keep a crucifix or some garlic nearby. <laughs> and, and, and part of it is like, you know, like he was able to persuade or, or just to shut him up or push him aside by giving him something really far fetched, you know? And, yeah. uh, and when creatine first came onto the market, people were just like, this is like steak in a powder. You know, everybody was like creatine is great. Cause it gives you all the nutrients you need from steak in a powder. And I'm just curious, like to th- hear your thoughts on like, you know, the role of red meat and creatine in terms of like building muscle, like, is it overrated? Do people rely on it too much? Creatine as a
2: separate topic or as yeah. a separate thing. Um, I don't know why anyone wouldn't take creatine. Uh, yeah, um, I mean it's one of the most researched uh, supplements, over-the-counter supplements that I, I think exists as far as uh, information about it um, and, and what it does for the body and its performance-enhancing um, attributes, etc. Uh, when it comes to red meat specifically or fleshy tissue, um, I'm I am way more on the side of, of meat, fish, chicken. Um, than I, I I'm like 99.9% on that side versus the, the vegan vegetarian side. Um, just because of my understandings of uh, amino acids and the profiles of, of all the proteins. And mm-hmm. I'm not necessarily a huge advocate of, of steak specifically or beef or, I love it. I think it's great to work with people. I do or have seen people that struggle to digest it, um, at least in large quantities. But, um, I mean, if I could eat steak, if I could eat a prime rib, every meal, I would absolutely eat a prime rib every meal. So I just can't afford it with the way that prices are right now. Right.
1: Well, you have to like do like Jimmy and start your own farm and. (laughs) Well, I I have, uh,
2: I have eight chickens and ducks, so I mean, I have the start of that.
0: Oh wow, really? So all your eggs are fresh,
2: huh? Yeah, I eat almost doesn't half two dozen eggs a day,
0: uh, including the yolks. Oh yeah.
1: So are you like just cooking them? Or are you putting them in smoothies or both?
0: Oh, uh, I just cook them.
1: Oh, that's a that's a big plate of eggs.
2: Yeah. Well, I have them usually between two meals.
1: So you're having about six eggs uh, as a meal. With a little hot sauce sriracha or anything like that or
2: no, I mean so I have I eat I eat it quite a bit just to maintain where I'm at. Mm-hmm. Um like my caloric intake right now seventy five hundred. Um wait,
0: you're taking seventy five hundred calories every day? Uh six thousand and seventy five hundred. It depends okay. it depends
2: if I decide I want to eat an extra meal. Each okay. um I have Four meals that are fifteen hundred calories, and if I want another meal, I eat another fifteen hundred calories. So, how can, um, can I ask?
0: Like, how tall are you, and how much do you weigh, so I can kind of put that into perspective? Of I'm
2: five eleven, and uh, I'm sitting right at two thirty right now. Okay, I'm I'm decently lean, um, but I'm not eating. For me, that's maintenance. Okay. So, but I, uh, yeah, I would eat probably eight to ten eggs in a meal. Um, and then like, for example, like, uh, my breakfast is, um, eight eggs, uh, a cup of milk, um, three pieces of toast with three tablespoons of jam, a cup of oatmeal, uh, with a few tablespoons of brown sugar.
1: Why are eggs so important or special as a protein source? I mean, every bodybuilder from dawn of time to now, they're always like, eggs, you got to get eggs in your, in your, in your body. What is it about eggs that makes them so powerful to building muscle? Um, I
2: don't, I don't know necessarily as far as them being any more special, um, than most protein sources that have a good fatty source. Um, especially, especially if like a good steak that has been fed properly and not like grain forced grain fed. Then it's going to have a good uh, a good fatty profile, but I think that eggs are obviously rich in protein and they have a good uh, fatty source, but it, it's really their digestion. I think they digest as far as gram to gram protein um you know protein source to protein source. I think it digests almost
0: as easy as whey protein mm. honestly mm.
1: so part of it is that the digestibility is just really high.
0: Yes, you talk about digestibility. Is there some because like part of the problem too is sometimes when when we're bulking, it's just like you're like I don't think I can eat another thing because you just kind of feel you know backed up in your intestines and your guts and your colon. Is there a, a recommendation on how to just keep that food pipeline just moving?
2: I use a lot of digestive aids, um, whether it's a like bromine type, like a bromine based product or pineapple or papaya to help digest protein sources. I personally love a product from species nutrition, um, fiber for a fiber source. But obviously if you organize a diet, right, you'll, you can situate just enough fiber to be in the diet using fermented things like kimchi or sauerkraut so that you basically a real food probiotic in your gut, um, or yogurt, stuff like that to keep things moving because, uh, I'm actually very on top of my client's bowel movement digestive needs because you can't get the metabolism roaring, whether you want to get lean or you want to eat a lot of food. Mm -hmm. If someone feels, if you feel bloated, you're not going to want to eat a meal. And if you, um, like a a lot of times when people are, uh, getting ready for shows, their body gets depleted of magnesium and they, they, they need to take a supplemental amount of magnesium to, to have a bowel movement. Mm -hmm. Uh, you can't, can't. Body is a is a machine, and whether it's a car or your body, if something's not working right, it's going to break down eventually. And and usually for someone in the off season that's trying to build muscle, if they're getting bloated and backed up, well, they're not going to build a bunch of tissue that they want to build, and they're not going to want to eat. Right. You know.
0: So with your clients, you're having them document like how often they poop every day.
2: Well, I don't I don't have them document it, but I'll just ask. You know, typically mm-hmm. it's it's really easy. To, hey, how's your stomach feel? Do you feel full, or mm-hmm. do you feel like things are moving along as they need to? Are you my biggest question is just are you hungry? Mm-hmm. And I I want to hear yes. And then once I hear yes, is is it hungry as in you could eat more food, or is it hungry as in every meal that you you sit down to eat, you can finish the meal and not feel like shit?
0: When we talked to uh, one of your clients, uh, uh, Jimmy J- uh, Jimmy Cook. He talked about um, being in the right headspace and what to eat in that kind of situation. He said like when he feels like he's got a lot of anxiety, he'll talk to you about it and and you would recommend like what he can do to kind of counteract that. Can you talk a little bit about that?
2: Yeah, um, I think people don't account for stress when it comes to how it affects the body. Mm. When stress is is on the body, whether it's someone passing away or – um, an animal passing away or you get into a car wreck or something like that. And it's impacting, it'll impact the body and how your body's functioning just as much as anything else. There's, there's a old school train of thought. You just keep eating your meals and you just work through it. I'm a big advocate of people's, uh, fasting, um, whether they're sick or they've got emotional stuff going on because, I'd rather, I'd rather someone fast for six hours or 12 hours or 24 hours until their body is like, I am starving for food than, than for people to force food down for two or three days. And they've got something really going on in their life. That's, that's creating an issue. And then, then we have to spend a week trying to get it all worked out because your body's all screwed up.
0: Mm.
1: I like that idea, you know, certainly like for, for people who come from like dance backgrounds or performance backgrounds, especially, you know, the, we call it the ballerina diet. It's coffee and cigarettes. It's, it's it's very easy to like deprive yourself of food you know, because you're getting ready to fit for a role or something like that. But you know, if you're having to go into the gym and lift heavy weights, isn't the, like the fasting going to interfere with that? Do you have to make adjustments?
2: Well, I actually, when, when I have, especially for stressful situations, um, I'll tell people if anything, I'll tell them to go walk, but I won't have them train either. Um, I would rather you skip a training session. If you're not hungry and you're not feeling good and your whole life is screwed up in the current moment or something like that, then I don't want you lifting either. Unless, unless, um, I know for myself, uh, when my brother passed away, I went, I went and deadlifted. I just went and and grabbed a bar and started ripping it up and down off the ground. And then I was in tears, but Mm. psychologically I needed to do something to exert that energy, but I didn't, I didn't eat all day. So it wasn't, it wasn't a, I need to go get a workout, but I need to get my gains from the workout. It was I need this workout because my mind is going to fall apart. And this is the one thing I know that will help me through it at the moment.
1: Well, it seems like also the feeling of accomplishment can be very therapeutic. You know, I, I know speaking from a lot of people, the COVID pandemic and all these gyms closing was a real crisis moment. Cause they were just feeling like stuck in their homes and weren't able to do anything.
2: That's, that's when I learned the power of walking. I started, yeah. I started like 10 miles a day because I didn't know what to do with myself. Oh, wow.
1: Well, and yeah, that's the thing. It's like uh, walking is what you're, you know, and, I, and I'm a big believer in just like uh, hip thrusts. You know, I, I know this is a little crass, but the act of thrusting with your body is something that as a human being, you're built to do. And not enough people do weighted hip thrusts. And walking is another thing that your body is just like designed to do. And the more walking you can do, not running <laughs> or skipping or whatever, just walking like, you know, mm. you're going to the grocery store is just it, it, it is a it's a it's a spiritual practice to some degree.
2: Well, they I, uh, I've actually done a bunch of research associated with walking yeah. and, and not walking on a treadmill, but walking outside and what it does. It, it actually calms a lot of anxieties that people may have mm-hmm. because of your, your eye movement. Your your eyes are constantly shifting, and when you're outside and you're walking around and you're processing things, it calms your
0: mind a lot. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a total de-stressor. It stretches your muscles. It, it lubricates your joints. It burns the calories. It's good for the heart. I mean, it's just... It's just wonderful all over, and uh, I wish more people had done it. Fausto's recently, I got my dog because I was just like, I need to walk more at night, and I want somebody to join me. But then I discovered my dog just wants to smell everything, so he's kind of a pain in the ass to walk sometimes. I just pull him forward. I just go out by myself. (laughs) It's like, you stay at home now, dog. Oh, yeah.
1: Um, Let's talk about some uh, ridiculous and crazy things bodybuilders have done to put on or cut mass, muscle, Um, you know, the most, the one everybody's tried and and is familiar with is go mad, uh, a gallon of milk a day, whole milk a day, especially in high school. (laughs) Do you know people have done this? Have you tried this yourself? Your thoughts? I know one person
2: that I have watched at a gym here in the area. He goes to my gym now and I've seen him probably the last 10 years and he brings a half gallon of milk to drink throughout his whole workout. He drinks during the workout, and I've never talked to him. I don't know anything about him, but that's so. That's my o- only real life example Is of he that. In good that shape? I, I,
0: no, <laughs> I saw. I was talking to a guy in the sauna the other day, and he had a gallon of milk. Like in the sauna, not in the sauna. I was sitting outside, but I was just like, "Oh, you—you know—is that your source of protein?" And he's just like, "He's like, no, I'm trying to tr- pass a drug test because uh, I've been smoking <laughs> some pot, and so I heard that if you drink milk, it, it'll kind of like help it along." I'm just like, "Oh, okay," because some bodybuilders will drink that as a as a protein source.
2: I think I think it's a good protein source, um, not necessarily as your main mm-hmm. protein source, but and I and I would use like raw milk, like real. Non-pasteurized milk, but no,
0: yeah, always easy to get. We're no
1: safe, I guess. Well, it,
0: I think it's real. It's pretty safe. I wouldn't be too worried about it. Um, but you know, I don't know. I was see,
1: reading about this. Like uh, QAnon people are yeah. like all obsessed with raw milk this week. <laughs> oh, they are. <laughs> and and so I'm like, uh, you know, because if, if you can get, like, if you live in rural Seattle. You're probably gonna get access to really awesome raw milk. And you, know? you can get
0: it here in Chicago. There are some shops, but
1: but you got to get it right away. It's not something that can sit on a shelf for a couple of weeks. You know, no, no, no. And and you know, if it's if you're buying it at Whole Foods, you're.
0: I mean, when I lived in Europe, Europe I had uh, ultra pasteurized milk. It was in a box that I kept on my shelf. And yeah, just, you, you
2: know? could keep that stuff for a couple of years and it'll be fine.
0: Yeah.
1: Um. So I read this in a forum, and I guess it's been verified by other people that were went to bodybuilding gyms in the middle East in Iraq. Yeah. You've heard of uh, jacked, right? Which is, was banned because it had dimethylamine in it.
2: Yeah, no, I actually have a great story for that. So when I was in the military, yeah. when I first got on the submarine, cause I was on submarines, you have to get certified throughout the boat. Basically your knowledge throughout the boat, you have to get certified that you have an understanding of the boat. And I was behind on my certifications Um, and we were pulling into my first port in Japan and, uh, leading up to us pulling into the port, um, the guy that was in charge of me told me if I didn't finish all of my certifications, I was going to have to stay on the boat while we were in Japan. And so I actually had a a whole thing full of jacked 3d (laughs) and, and, uh, uh, I actually stayed up a whole week scooping that like every three to four hours I was having scoops of it and uh I stayed a week for a week straight I was (laughs) I was not I was not functional yeah I was not functional that's not good uh, for the
0: mind or the body oh no no um
2: they actually got mad at me and I ended up sleeping for like I think it was like 28 hours straight they put me in the rack and I was out for the longest time they had to keep coming and checking on me make sure I was okay and shit
1: well, like in the movie Showgirls, are you familiar with that movie? No. Uh, basically, the the uh, the the antagonist, uh, Gina Gershon, plays a a Las Vegas showgirl star, and she's snorting cocaine. And she goes up to her and is like, "What are you doing?" And she's like, "Oh, just a little cocaine, darling. It's good for the muscles." And <laughs> and <laughs> so everybody's like, uh, "Cocaine is not good for your muscles." I was reading this in the forums uh, that uh, around the time of Jacked, I guess it may have been something lost in translation, but Iranian bodybuilders were smoking crack or meth or doing lines of Coke before going to the gym as a pre-workout. It probably
0: really yeah. was going.
1: And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't think that's a good idea.
2: I did, I did cocaine once, yeah. and I don't know. I... I'm ADHD. It yeah. it just calmed me the fuck down. I don't. I didn't really see the the interest in it. Really, it affects me nearly like the I feel like it affects most people that love it. So,
1: well, a part of it is like you know, a lot of these stimulants, you know, hard drugs are not. Th- they're really not. They're designed for you know changing your perception of the world and everything's boring. Things become exciting, you know, and and a lot of way these pre workouts work is that they're they're meant to sort of like get you to concentrate on a task. So, you know, like I've, I've worked out on everything there is under the sun and the, uh, a friend of mine gave me a little bit, uh, a pill of Ritalin one time. And I have to say that was a very effective pre-workout substance to take.
2: that, That doesn't surprise me. I, um, yeah. So ever since I really stopped competing competitively, the most I will have as far as caffeine is concerned is I'll have like, six ounces of coffee, uh, in a morning, but, um, and then if I'm driving on a long road trip, I might have an energy drink, but, um, I think people put way too much emphasis on needing some kind of pre-workout or something like that to get them going for their workout mm-hmm. than rather, um, just starting to lift the weights and letting the endorphins from lifting the weights affect their mood and, and help them work through. hmm
1: well, that's why I always tell people is like, you know, it's great that we have these phones with us and I'm just as guilty of this as anybody else. But um, people go on dating apps to get a sexual release while they're working out in order to sort of stay motivated and lift at the gym. And part of that, the drawback of that is that then you're getting distracted on the task at hand and you're not able to say, put focus on your dumbbell inclines. Instead, you're looking at Tinder and looking at sexy people. And, you know,
2: so I, um, I actually have, I have a whole thing and we were talking about psychology earlier, but when it comes to training yeah, and I, I've talked to a, a bunch of people I know that are uh, high level athletes and this, this isn't that far fetched, but, um, you know, the things that get me through a workout is, is, uh, I try to exhaust all of the negative energy that I have in the back of my mind into my workouts. And and that being said, like you know, I, I talked about my brother passing away earlier, but mm. um, I had a lot of trauma as a child, and <clears throat> um, I think of those same traumas affecting my daughter. And and I mean, I'll I'll get ready to go into a squat and. It, not to say specifically what traumas, but I'll be thinking of my daughter and her going through that trauma and that person that's that's affecting my daughter in front of me and and me just losing my absolute shit. Create emotions and your body will know no difference whether you're actually going through it. Mm-hmm. And that's why people can get themselves to cry over that stuff. And then I release it. You know, this morning I did legs and I was I was squatting four oh five. Wow, And I was, I was thinking some fucked up shit with no headphones on. I was just staring at myself and thinking of that deep, dark place in the back of my head. That's where my energy comes from. Maybe, Mm -hmm. maybe people haven't gone through something. And so they feel like they need some energy from, from somewhere. But, you know, I don't know if, if you're a kid and you have a mom or, you know, you're general, you're a mom and you love your mom. And you, you think about someone beating the shit out of your mom in front of you, I feel like that should fuel you quite a bit, you know, or or if you have a kid and someone hurting your kid, or someone beating the shit out of your dog, like, I know that those are pretty traumatic things, but you can get some pretty good emotional energy going just from from your imagination.
1: Just make sure you have a spotter there. <laughs> so that, that you use that oh, I, I have a spotter, so. You don't? Yeah. But Let's talk about me. It. Yeah, I mean, do you do have a spot or a don't? When you're, you know, imagine no, no, your, I do have your family's a about to be murdered, and you're putting in four times your body weight on your shoulder, twice as your body weight on your shoulders, and you're like, <laughs> that's a lot of shit to juggle, you know?
2: Yeah, no, but that's that's where my head goes.
1: <laughs> um, a, a couple other things too. Uh, your thoughts. This this one seems really outrageous. Um, we all sort of hear you know, and this is you hear about people like I can't get the calories in or stuff, um, bodybuilders pureeing their meals, like chicken breasts, broccoli, rice, and milk into a blender and then sticking a feeding tube into their guts. And just, you know, as I call it foie gras, they're just funneling down the liquefied meal into their digestive system.
2: Okay. (laughs) I mean, I mean, if it works for you and you love deep throating, then that works. I guess.
0: <laughs> but you got to salivate too, because isn't salivation as part yeah, of that whole digestive process? Not this process, one. Right? This, is,
1: uh, so, this is what's really funny is in this blog entry, they're like, "Why don't you try ketogenic diet instead?"
2: <laughs> yeah, no. Um, I, you know, it, it's funny because I actually have eaten a diet that's kind of like that, but I, yeah. I put it in my mouth. I didn't, I didn't put it in a tube.
1: You pre read uh like a burger and fries and stuff like that or no, uh
2: one of the best diets I had for bulking, um, it was actually a rebound. I put on forty six pounds in like five months. Um but I was eating so I would slow cook chicken, so it was like super fine and shredded. Yeah. And I was uh making grits and I would put PB two in the grits and some sriracha. So it was like a um a spicy peanut butter chicken grit like mm-hmm. mixture. And that was, it was like a paste. And then, um, that was two of my meals. Uh, one of my other, or two of my other meals was a, uh, uh, I would really cut up super fine ground up, uh, bison with, uh, baby rice cereal and a little butter and some gravy mix. Um, and it would basically be like a, a country gravy. Um, and that was a meal. Um, and then my other meal would be uh whey protein uh cream of rice with mushed up blueberries and peanut butter mm-hmm. and but i was I was having like hundred and fifty grams of carbs each meal with like seventy five grams of protein and probably in the range of like twenty to thirty grams of fat per meal at that time and I was having you know five or six meals a day like that.
1: I mean, you know, I look at your photos and you have a phenomenal body, you know, so it's like everybody's listening to this podcast. They're like, okay, I guess I'll do lines of cocaine and puree a burger and fries and stick it down my throat. You know, I'm like, and and kids out there, people, please, this is for entertainment purposes only hire Chris instead, please (laughs) don't try this shit at home.
2: Yeah, no, uh, I don't, I don't recommend that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you should you should want to eat the food that's in front of you otherwise uh I would I would also recommend taking some cooking classes.
1: You know, I got we're going to post uh Mark has been making this beautiful uh chicken thighs al pastor, which is uh the Mexican barbecue which has fresh pineapple in it. Mm. And it's uh so sort of grilled uh, and it it's it, the the pineapple, the bromelian in the pineapple acts as a natural meat tender tenderizer and it's oh yeah it's fantastic stuff
2: oh yeah no i i make a uh uh, pico de gallo but Mm. i will swap out my uh jalapenos with habaneros and i'll swap out the um tomatoes the acidic tomatoes with pineapple so it's it's essentially pico de gallo but i'm replacing those two ingredients with Mm. the habanero and the pineapple and it's one of my favorite salsas you can have.
0: Oh, and habaneros are hot. Yeah, I, I love hot foods. Yeah. So some people can handle it. Some people can't. Uh, what do you make of like people that just kind of like, uh, simplify things about losing weight or gaining weight so when they're just like, it's very simple. Cause you see this on people arguing on, on the internet all the time. It's just calories in or calories out, you know, as um, to so, your body.
2: So, uh, uh, bio lane, uh, lane Norton, um, you know, people that, people that do are big advocates of macros and, and it comes down to basis like that. Um, I am a, I am argumentative of it just because, um, you know, a a great example, and this is my fight against macro eating is, um, if I took, and this is specific to my body, but I can pretty much see it around the board with other clients and, and people I've talked to. If I took a flour tortilla that was 25 grams of carbs and I took 25 grams of carbs of rice and I eat both of them separately and in different meals on different days. And and that's my carb source for the day kind of thing. Um, My digestion and my bowel movements will be so much slower for me eating flour tortillas than if say I ate just rice and you know, Uh, also when it comes to building muscle and say like a vegan protein Mm -hmm. and, and an animal protein, um, the, the amino profile is going to be different, even though protein for protein base is going to be the number when it says how much protein you're getting is the same. The amino structure of that protein is entirely different or say for fats, um, you know, if I eat, you know, a big chunk of butter, or I take a tablespoon of macadamia nut oil, there's going to be a digestive difference in speed for that as well. Mm. And, and obviously, if the name of the game is to digest your food and absorb it uh, as quality and as quickly as possible, then you're going to obviously want to choose the thing that is the easiest for your body to process.
1: Well, yeah, I mean that's part of the the name of the game there too. It's it's just like how your body's reacting to all this stuff, right? And and somebody who you know a, a Midwesterner who loves cheese and can digest cheese, as opposed to somebody from Latin America like myself who doesn't react well to cheese as as a as a Midwesterner does. We our, our bodies are going to be reacting differently to the same foods, and so Absolutely. it's it, it's you know. And that's what part of it is like, uh, you know, you just got to really like try new things. And, and, you know, working with a coach or working in bodybuilding, it's about taking all the information you felt was true and and defer, you know, putting it aside and trying new things to see if that's going to work for you. And in terms of nutrients or hormones uh, in our bodies, you know, we know about as much of the human body as we know about the oceans on the earth. And, you know, every year they're discovering new mechanisms, new chemicals in our bodies that help build muscle. You know, like uh, I have friends who are work on myostatin inhibitors um, and, and the technology to manipulate that. So, you know, we, we, we hear about like steroids. We hear about insulin and human growth hormone as some components that, can be manipulated or enhanced in order to build muscle. But, you know, in, in 10 or 20 years, um, people might just be like turning off their myostatin inhibitors or turning them on, you know, and, and, and being jacked in that method, you know, like those freaky cattle or dogs that you see on the internet, you know?
2: Oh, Absolutely. And, that'll and, be, that'll, that'll be an interesting day in bodybuilding for sure.
1: Yeah. You know, and, and, and part of it is like, look it you know, we only know, like even think about like uh, bodybuilding at a time of Arnold Schwarzenegger where they didn't have even aromatase inhibitors. Right. So these guys were taking high levels of, of steroids, um, which at the time was, I don't even think they even had access to testosterone, right? They were using uh Deca mostly in the history of that, of that time. And so, you know, in terms of like preventing estrogen rebounds and all that stuff, that wasn't even available until the eighties or nineties. And, you know, yep. and, and when, when all, all these kind of like, you know, awareness and technology and medical technology started becoming available, that's when you've had the, you know, the, the era of the mass monster coming into bodybuilding. And, you know, like Arnold Schwarzenegger said uh, recently that, you know, in some ways that homophobia is ruining bodybuilding because so many men are afraid to look at another man's body and say, you look beautiful. Not that I want to have sex with you, but it is just expressing beauty in another man's body. And so there's this fear that like of, of expressing beauty that it it motivates people to just want to get into a grotesquely large size and not wanting to sort of like cultivate the the aesthetics of that.
2: And yeah, I, th- I think I think a lot of it's also insecurity yeah. too by yeah. people.
1: Insecurity in what sense?
2: Uh, from the people that are looking at you know the muscular figures, yeah. you know, uh, outside looking in, and they're like, "Well, that's grotesque" or whatever. But I think a lot of it's insecurity because, like, you're that much bigger than me and more muscular than me, or whatever. Kind of like short guys with tall guys. Like yeah. that's an insecurity because I can't achieve that. It's unachievable as well, you, far you, as what they like think. You're like six
1: foot two. What is it? No, how tall are you? I'm five eleven. Five eleven. You weigh two hundred and thirty pounds. <laughs> so you just like, you know, you're like, well, I can hypothesize what this feels like, but I'm not there yeah well
2: i'm i'm a I'm hundred pounds heavier than i was in high school yeah. so i mean I, I and i put on i put on 100 pounds naturally before i ever taken steroids actually since i started taking steroids i pretty much stayed in the same 30 40 pound range so
1: yeah a lot of people have that misconception that the, like anabolic steroids or performance enhancing drugs are this like the cause of everything, you know, and it's like, well, if I just got myself some of that illegal shit, I'll, I'll look like Lee LaBrada or, you know. Or, yeah, no, you fuck know? no. And it's early and you, you know, read the comments on on YouTube and it's like filled with so much misinformation.
2: Yeah, I, I have a I have a buddy that was uh, uh-huh. trained at my gym that turned pro naturally. Yeah. And not that not that anyone believes him, but I watched the guy firsthand and he wasn't very good at training. But his body would just like, he would take four hours to train legs, but it was, he'd take like 10 minute rest periods kind of thing. And his, his dieting before he won an overall at one of the biggest shows in the country, he just stopped eating Doritos and pizza and did a little cardio. I mean, like the guy was just nuts. (laughs) So some people can do it, right? Yeah. It's, it's really irritating.
1: (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Chris, it's so good talking to you about, uh, all this nutrition, you know, um, Certainly, Jimmy Cook said you're amazing as a coach and as a trainer and as a fountain of knowledge. And I, I can certainly see why he thinks the world of you. Uh, thank you. <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> well, one last thing I want to, because I see this all the time in bodybuilding scenes. Gummy bears, the German ones are rich in, you know, normally gummy bears in American uh, candy manufacturers, they use high fructose corn syrup. The German uh, manufacturers, the Haribo, use dextrose, and so bodybuilders like the the you know the gelatin and the dextrose as a intra workout and post workout nutrition.
0: <laughs> uh,
2: I mean, I had an ex girlfriend that did it, and she became a natural pro. I mean, uh, I I think obviously you can use it. I'm I'm a big advocate for uh. uh um. Oh man. Now I'm forgetting. Not dextrose specifically, but uh, highly branched. Oh shit.
1: Dextrose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You're, you're talking so, about carbolin, or you're talking about yeah, um, like
2: like carb like carbolin. Carbolin's one of my favorite products. Highly but, um, branched
1: cyclic dextrin. Yeah, but isn't like carbolin and, and highly branched cyclic dextrin pretty much the same thing?
2: Uh. Yeah. I. From my understanding of the mon- molecular structure, yeah. it's different, um, and how the body breaks it down and how it uh, helps transport nutrients. Um, but I'd have to sit down and and go over it to sit here and make it sound like I knew what I was talking about.
1: But for for people who are not familiar with these two products, basically they're like um, dig- you know pre digested sugars that you can take during your workout or afterwards and they they help you with a pump, they also help uh sort of stop stress hormones and you know they, they don't uh, spike your insulin as much as as they as you know, table sugar well right?
2: it's it's essentially an, yeah. a a longer chain carbohydrate that is easy to break down
1: and so, so the so benefit like, of that is what exactly
2: so it's it essentially um it'll break down easy. Uh-huh. However, it's not like a basic sugar where it's it's uh, just gonna turn into glucose very quickly and then process for it. You can sit there and pour sugar in your mouth. It's not the same process essentially.
1: Well, and, and I have a bag of, of and a bottle of those things, and it's like they don't. The, the thing I'm always like struck by is they're not sweet. They just taste oh, really? like powder. Like it's this weird sugar that doesn't taste sweet, and I'm always like, what? yeah yeah well chris uh it's a pleasure talking to you what are you doing for the rest of the day are you gonna uh do a, a meal that ne- is coming next or
2: yeah I'm, I'm actually behind on my next meal but oh, i'm uh, so
1: sorry <laughs>
2: oh no no you're you're good yeah. that was that was me i um yeah i should have eaten before uh yeah i'm gonna eat and then um my girlfriend leaves for vegas so i gotta get the house situated and yeah. I my my schedule is all over the place. I don't, I got to look at my to do list. I got a a big to do list and it's super random. So I just shoot around during the day.
1: Well, I appreciate you uh, taking time to chat with us. Uh, people can follow you and hire you on uh, Inst through Instagram CT Bickley, right? Yep. And you're and uh, you also train and you're based out of the Seattle area.
2: Yeah, I don't, I don't do much for training. Okay. Um, I, I'll help people that need to learn how to train, but um, I'd much rather help people with nutrition, and then if they're clients or whatever, then I'll uh, help them make progress in the gym if, if they're kind of lost or, or you not. Know,
1: Chris, you are a fountain of knowledge, nutrition, and muscle-building ideas. I appreciate you taking the time to talk to us today.
2: Well, I appreciate being on i i love this shit and if you guys ever need anything feel free to contact me
1: thank
0: you so much chris i appreciate it all right all right you Talk take care yeah thanks Come coming me back bye. again bye-bye
1: chris bickley lives in uh, outside of seattle washington and uh, you can follow him on instagram ct bickley mm-hmm. on instagram right and remember if you want to be big you have to eat big. You sure do. <laughs> Damn, 7,500
0: calories? I know, right? Do you know how many chicken breasts that is? That's, That's a, a lot.
1: whole lot of eggs. Gaston maybe right. had something for it. Gaston in the song. When I was a lad, I ate four dozen eggs every morning to help me get large.
2: And now that I'm grown, I eat five dozen eggs. So
1: I'm roughly the size of a ball. That's a lot. That's forty-eight eggs he ate in the morning mm-hmm. as a kid, mm-hmm. and now as an adult he eats uh, what's the fifth, and this, this, sixty-two? And Chris
0: eats like almost two dozen. Damn,
1: that's pretty wild. I'm like,
0: come on, Henrietta, chicken, get clucking, <laughs> get laying. That's a that's a lot of eggs.
1: I, and I, here I am thinking I'm eating too much. Uh, you know, I'm
0: having like, four eggs for breakfast, but I, I like after talking to him, I'm just gonna have to try and see if I can do do more. Yeah. More eggs More eggs I've been doing soft boil Because I've been trying to cut down On like oils And everything like that And so um, And I've just been eating Like half a cup of uh, oatmeal a day But he's Eating a cup And um, Jimmy that we talked to He's eating a cup
1: I do feel like Edith Massey in uh, Pink Flamingoes, Babs, Babs, where's the Eggman? I need I need to focus on my gains. Where's the, the Eggman?
0: Get those gains going. Damn.
1: That's incredible. You gotta
0: uh, eat. And I you know, I like the idea, it's like, you know, the problem is when you eat, it's just it, you gotta keep that that train running, you know, because what comes in, it's gotta come out. Choo choo, honey! So get your uh, your yogurts and your sauerkraut, kimchi. Your kimchi, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. Your bromeliads, the papayas, pineapples, bromeliads, bromeliads, yes. Uh,
1: and uh, we have a review on Apple Podcasts. I like to read from Andrew. Uh, Andrew worked with me. Um, you know, because part of it is like we we collect all this amazing information, and we know a lot of really incredible people, like. Chris Bickley. If you're looking for a nutritionist and you have the time and money, I mean, hire Chris. He seems Mm -hmm. like a dream come true, you know? Um, and Andrew who worked with me, um, so basically I met with Andrew for an hour, 99 bucks. Mm -hmm. We talked about everything he's doing. Yeah. And I hope Andrew, if you're listening out there that, uh, some of that advice is helping you and get to the next level. Uh, he wrote a review on Apple podcasts and said, Let's grow big together. Finally, an LGBT bodybuilding space. Uh, This show is awesome with various LGBT-friendly guests, topics, and advice for queer gym guys, gals, and beefcakes beyond the binary. Ooh. Ooh, I loved that so much. Beyond the binary. Beefcakes beyond the binary. It's also a show for those who just love a locker room talk. How How dare you? Well...
0: Why? Well, because some guests are are more interested in the sex side than others.
1: I noticed that when 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 when, uh, Chris earlier talked about being mentored by a big bodybuilder and says, "If you, I'm going to teach you how to eat things," Mm. and I said, "Oh," and then he started unzipping his pants. He
0: was
1: like, And Mark's like, "Fausto." (laughs) You're almost like uh, used to saying that. Mm. You're like Fausto. I didn't say Zip anything. It. Zip it. I'm just a forced habit. Uh, Faust and Mark are hilarious and informative with guests sharing their fitness journeys. You guys, your inclusivity is a breath of fresh air in the fitness world. Deeply grateful, Andrew, the trainer. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Andrew. We salute you. Uh, Mark is going to post the chicken thighs al pastor recipe okay. in the show notes for today's show.
0: I would have taken pictures if I did known know I was going to do that.
1: Well, you can still uh, you can't post pictures in the show description, but you can at you least can't. put the ingredients. No, you cannot.
0: I can't post a photo in the show
1: notes? In the description. Oh,
0: okay, in the description.
1: Okay. In the description where people, so if you're listening to our podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just scroll down in the show notes and you can see the recipe for chicken thighs al pastor. Okay. So this is the marinade, right? So can you just quickly walk people through what that is?
0: Well, you got to get the marinade, which is the yucateca. Yeah. And this like comes in a little block. Yucateca find,
1: is ground annatto paste.
0: Yes, with some other herbs and spices and stuff. And then you, so you mix that with some vinegar and then you marinate the chicken. And then uh, what I'd like to do is I stick it on a, a on a stick because I'm trying to do it al pastor, which is kind of like gyros in a way, but it's gyros, yeah. gyros, right? Because uh, Mexicans started using this uh, from the Lebanese, um, what do you call it? Lebanese immigrants came there, and so they would have a spit that they would cook gyros on. Well, they layer those with pork, or I do it with chicken thighs,
1: and the chicken thighs is a lot leaner.
0: Well, I don't know if it's leaner; it's just different. It's, it's a different. lighter
1: taste, and well, it's, it's not uh, as you heavy. Know, it's
0: chicken or pork? You yeah. you describe pork as being heavy. I don't think about pork as being heavy. I just think about it as I mean, meat. I
1: think bacon is a lot heavier than well,
0: bacon is turkey bacon. You know. And it's, you know, they're both neither bacon or turkey bacon. Neither of them are good for you.
1: Right. But the, the people eat the, the uh, turkey bacon that's nitrate free. Okay. Um, and and a lot of uh, bodybuilders. Too bad Chris isn't on the phone to answer this question. Right. But salt, uh, talking too. to a lot of bodybuilders, they, they usually, when they're eating bacon, they usually go for nitrate free mm-hmm. turkey bacon as opposed to pork bacon, the mm-hmm. traditional stuff. And, you know, the traditional al pastor is delicious, but it is a heavier taste. And so I like your version a lot because it's a lot lighter and it's uh, really flavorful and it's great for uh, as a as a dish in itself with rice and vegetables okay. or you can put it in tacos and tacos it's wonderful. Tacos,
0: burrito, all sorts of stuff, yeah.
1: Yeah, yeah. Remember, Let's Grow Big Together is a production of Feast of Fun. You can access thousands of legendary podcasts at our website, feastoffun.com slash plus, all ad-free If you like the show, you don't like listening to ads, you can skip the ads by becoming a member at FeastOfFun.com slash plus.
0: You could also join us on Patreon, Patreon.com slash FeastOfFun for an ad-free experience. Or maybe you just like the show and you want to make a donation to make sure that we're here for the future. And you can do that at FeastOfFun.com slash donate. Because your contribution to the show is what makes this show happen.
1: And, you know, stimulate your saliva. If it means looking at, you know, thirst traps on Instagram, or looking at recipes on Pinterest, go ahead and do that. And and may you have a a wonderful meal. Bon appétit. Buen provecho.
0: Buen provecho. Bye-bye.